before we get really into the show here, um, I have a, a couple of announcements. Um, first of all, I need to share some very sad news with the audience. Um, friend of the show and personal friend, uh, Jim Sherbarth has passed away from cancer. Um, he was an absolutely inspiring person and we are deeply saddened by his loss. Um, in the final days of his life, we visited Jim and did an interview. And I'm in the process of producing a video of that interview uh, that we hope to release in the near future. Uh, Jim really wanted to do the interview and for everyone to see it. And I really wanted to be able to share it with him before he passed and not being able to do that really hurts. Um, and we wanna release it in a timely manner, but in a way that is respectful to his family uh, and to the people who are in mourning at this time. Um, also, uh, as I mentioned, when we first jumped onto the stream here, we are in the process of moving. So once again, things are a bit unorthodox in terms of audio and production quality. And we just ask that you bear with us during this time. Um, we are viewing this as an opportunity, however, to experiment with some new systems. So this is going out on Facebook Live and listeners have the opportunity to participate. Um, but it will also be released as an episode of the podcast. So with that said, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are doing our very first Ask Me Anything. So this is an opportunity for listeners to ask questions about the show, about us, about life in general, uh, anything you wish. Um, and uh, with that uh, introduction, let's get on with the show. Yes, hello, hello everybody. And so, um, you know, we, we have a few things that we can talk about as we uh, wait for questions or as we get into it. Um, so we're, we're prepared with a few things to talk about as well, but we are absolutely uh, thrilled if you have anything that you want to ask. So you can uh, start thinking about that maybe. And there's a, there's so, always a slight delay here when people post something. It takes a minute to come in. So, right. So as we're waiting for questions to, co to come in, um, I I guess I'll ask a question. Uh, Rebecca, when did you know uh, first that you wanted to be an artist? It's interesting because as part of the move, which you know I'm moving to New Mexico, Don and I are moving to New Mexico. We come back to Wisconsin to clear things out. And part of that clearing out involves uncovering things that I did when I was mm, six years old. I don't know. I mean, all kids tend to make art, so I won't say I knew that young. But there's also a lot of stuff that I was doing in high school, um, early teenage years, and I... I don't really remember, but I I was I was pretty focused on it, and there was a there was a time when I visited. Um, I was twelve, and a friend of my grandmother's who was a sculptor in upstate New York, and a visit was arranged, uh, and she Genevieve Hamlin, her name was, and she was she was fairly well known at the time, and she. Um, I, what I came across just yesterday were several letters that she wrote to me. And I didn't remember that she had done that. And it was so kind, this little girl. I remember I took her some drawings and things. And she wrote these a uh, couple of really nice letters just 
encouraging me to, she took me seriously. She said, here's what to do. And she said, you know, obviously always uh, doing my own work, um, doing what I thought was important and, you know, being original and following my ideas. And it, it was, it was amazing to read those letters. So I would say by, certainly by the age of 12, you know, I was, I was encouraged by my parents and to have a mentor like that. I also had a couple of other mentors uh, throughout yeah. school. My junior high art teacher was wonderful with me. And also in high school, I had some mentors. So, you know, it was, it was a good, it was a good journey. When, uh, uh, when we're young, um, people always ask us what we want to do when, when we grow up. Was there something else that you were telling people when you were young? That I was telling people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, as an answer to that well, question. As far as, yeah. Um, so when I was young, I, I would say that I wanted to be an artist, yeah. I mean, okay. and, and my parents were were unusually accepting of that. And I know that most people sort of, you know, that's cool when the child is really little. Oh, that's cute. You want to be an artist. <laughs> they start to go on a little ways and there's a little bit of, mm, maybe not, maybe you need to go something into something more practical. Um, but I, I was fortunate that I didn't run into that. And um, I, so, so there was never anything to sort of shatter that idea for me. Yeah. And I've, I've always really appreciated that. That just seemed to be such a natural, um, you know, way to grow into it instead right. of so many people struggle with parents who aren't supportive or situations that aren't supportive are teachers who don't understand what they're doing. Um, I was another thing that amused me when I was going through uh, old papers and things last night was a stack of report cards from different grades. Um, how often I didn't get stellar grades in art. <laughs> I, I was well, a very I was a very dutiful student. I got a lot of A's, but I didn't get all that many A's in art. <laughs> well, you, you probably didn't produce something that looked exactly like the example. So I don't know. It just uh, you know the fir uh, the first one I saw, I thought, well, that's kind of odd. Then I found several more that that was yeah. that were those were that and Fayed were my low grades. So. So, um, <laughs> so, so if you hadn't had that support, what do you have any idea what you, what you would have ended up doing if you if you hadn't been an artist? Um, you know, I I've always been interested in writing as well. Um, also, kind of early on, I was interested in um, oh, I won't say social work exactly, but doing kind of jobs where I was working with people, helping people, and um. And I did teach at the university at one point. So this kind of thread of wanting to help people, wanting to teach in some way has been there um, all along. Um, so we, have, we do have a couple questions. Uh, Mickey says, how is the move going? <laughs> oh my. It is chaotic right now. And there are a lot of things that have to kind of fall into place. Basically, yeah. I think we're on track, but um, you know, Ross and I were talking this morning. I was going through a closet. <laughs> there were a lot of old photos and, you know, baby things and all kinds of stuff in there. And he was saying, well, you know, just he was being very supportive about what to keep and what not to keep. I mean, I went really, process a number of years ago, and it's, yeah. it's very difficult to, to get rid of stuff. But you just got to have a moment with, with each thing and decide... <laughs> 
is this something that I really want in my life or is it not, you know? And it's yeah, like, that's the bottom line. It's and difficult. Yeah. When you consider the range of things and they're from all different eras. So one minute you're, you're looking at your, your sad poetry from junior high school, you know, when you were like all angsty and, and upset. And the next minute you're looking at some lovely photo from 10 years ago and it's just, it's all mixed up and it's, it is draining and it's hard. And and I would say basically it's going fine, but it's a huge process because we lived in that house and that's where, um, you know, Ross and Ben grew up for over 40 years. And so we, we weren't great at getting rid of stuff. <laughs> so anyway, that is my reality. I haven't been able to paint, which is really odd for me. I, I just, I just thought I can't because I have no room. I have no space. The studio is crammed with everything. So anyway, I'm, I'm trying to hang in there and know that I will get back to my studio and I will get back to painting. Um, yes, Mickey, they, she says my parents were very supportive. They were amazingly supportive. Yeah. They, they worried at some point when I had dropped out of art school that I was giving it up. You know, a lot of parents would be like, oh, she finally figured it out this is not going to work. <laughs> They're like, we were, they told me later, we were worried that you were giving up on your work. So anyway, they were amazing. Um, so Ginny wants to know, um, did you have any artist mentors that were self-supporting with their art after leaving college? Um, I did, although they were... Um, people that were probably also teaching to some extent at the university level. Um, I remember a woman named Phyllis Bramson who came to uh, be uh, like a visiting artist when I was in graduate school and she was really successful. She's from Chicago and she's still working. And um, she, I think she was probably doing a little adjunct teaching or something on the side at the time, but she was clearly she was a professional artist and her work was being shown all over. So she was, she was really inspiring to me. She, I got to know her a little bit and, uh, and I was so impressed. I remember when she arrived to be the visiting artist and she was given a studio down the hall from where I was working and she arrived. And that same day she had all her stuff out and she started working. And I thought, wow, you know, no, no downtime here, just dive in. And she was, she was really good. So you want to read a few, Ross? Sure, sure. Um, we have a couple of comments. Uh, I find this podcast very helpful and talk topics touch on very realistic themes. We should talk more about face at some point. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I found that in the art department in college in the 60s, they didn't teach how to have a career with your art. It was being an art teacher or working for an ad agency. Not many other choices. Yes, and that's I pretty much that went on. You know, I, I went in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, there was a little bit, I remember I had a course called Professional Development. They talked a little bit about approaching galleries. We learned how to hang work in a show. I mean, that was uh, part of what you learned was how to deal with it. Um, but no, you're right. There even when I went to school, there wasn't a whole lot of that. Uh, and it does seem, I don't know what it's like now, but it does seem like a pretty big um, omission, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. 
because there's so much to learn about it. There's just so much that you, you know, to, to just sort of drop you off at the end into the art world and say, okay, go for it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And honestly, like if you wanted to be, you know, a serious fine artist, I'm not sure which one of those career paths would serve you better. You know, I mean, you'd probably have more opportunity to work on your art as an art teacher, but it, being a teacher ties up so much of your time. And then yeah, it does, you know, yeah. as, if you're working as a, in, in an ad agency, I think maybe you develop a sense for what, how to sell things. Maybe you have a little bit more of kind of a marketing perspective. Um, but you, I, I don't know how you are taken seriously as a fine artist yeah. working at an ad agency. Um, so yeah, yeah, very, very difficult to, to make it then if, if those are your, your kind of your stepping stones. The other thing I remember was this idea that, to make it as an artist, you had to go to New York City. Yeah. That was kind of it, you know. And, and when I got out of uh, graduate school in 1985, um, we were ready to have a family. And I, we, we had been in Arizona. We moved back to Wisconsin with, you know, I, I had put off having children during grad school. Okay, now, you know, we're going to have children. And I remember... Um, you know, that some of my friends either were going into teaching and they were getting university jobs in different places. And a few of them did go to New York. And and that was a hard transition for me because there was a certain energy coming out of graduate school that, okay, you could, now you're launching. Um, but I am so, I am, you know, so glad that, that I did what I did because I did what I wanted to do and I wasn't paying attention to those career paths. I wanted, I wanted children. <laughs> Look how they turned out. My God. <laughs> and it, it was, it was a wonderful time, you know, but, but as an artist, I did have to shift gears a little and say, okay, I have to trust that my path is going to work, even though it's, mm -hmm. it's none of these things. You know, and, and I was able to get into galleries before too long and to keep working. So sometimes people that have gone these other directions say they were distracted for a long time, you know, either by living in a big city or some other career path that took them off it. Allison asks, how do you see the art world changing these days, post-COVID uh, online opportunities uh, for you personally? I sort of know that it's changing. I, I'm not sure, you know, I mean, I see people starting to have more, um, like more personal sales on social media, talking about it on Instagram, the, the great Instagram uh, carrot dangling in front of artists. I, I'm just bad at it. I haven't, yeah. Uh, I haven't been able to keep posting all the time. Allison, you're really good at this. You probably have more to say about it than I do. I I feel like I, I know it's changing and I'm not exactly sure how. Um, I do think the galleries are still really viable and, and people absolutely want to see art in person and they absolutely want to go into galleries and see work. And so that is the path that I'm still on is actual work in actual galleries uh at the same time some of the platforms that are out there like sachi and some of the others seem to have a lot of potential for selling artwork um and uh yeah i guess i i'm a little confused right now i'll just be honest about that kind of well, trying to figure it out you know the 
the podcast has definitely changed quite a bit because of COVID. Um, you know, if you if you go back and listen to episodes from 2019, um, you were doing a lot more travel. Um, mm-hmm. And so the I, when I now when I read the the travel aspect of the intro, I kind of wonder, you know, <laughs> is this really a travel podcast anymore? You know, it's you're not you're not traveling out of the country. We're not doing so many in-person interviews. Um, we we yeah. are a big part of why we're working with StreamYard is because we want to be able to do some interviews again. Um, the, those were always very beneficial to the show um, and something that we really enjoyed doing. And it's gotten harder over time because I'm, I'm a stickler for audio quality. And obviously I've had to make some concessions recently. Um, but I always felt like the only way that we get really good audio quality is with in-person interviews, which we haven't really done. I think we did one in-person interview in the past year. Um, so it's, uh, the, and, and the focus of the show has changed too, because the show became a little bit less about, um, just, you know, living your best life as an artist and a little bit more focused on just sheer survival. Um, yeah, we, we had quite a few episodes about, uh, dealing with COVID, uh, you know, in in like last spring, early summer and, um, you know, and, and the travel, you're absolutely right. It's that has been the, a huge change and I I think it's going to go back. I mean, I think people are starting to travel again. I have two in-person workshops. Well, I won't say if the second one is for sure or not, but I am teaching in Mexico in October with Jerry. Uh, and so, um, and then I'm hoping to go back to Ireland at least, uh, if not sooner than in April. But yeah, it, it's everything kind of shifted in so many ways, so subtle ways. And I think a lot of artists, they, there was sort of two things, like some artists really kind of shut down and that was difficult. You know, there was like so much anxiety and a change that it became hard to work. Other people worked kind of a lot without without much um, without much interaction. And that was kind of interesting. That's kind of what happened to me. I was, I, I worked a lot in my studio, but I was not putting it out there that much. You know, I wasn't in touch with my galleries. I wasn't trying to, you know, line anything up because how could you? You couldn't really think. So um, I, I'm looking forward to that opening up again. I just had a exhibit in Telluride and um, I just took some new work down to Chicago. And so I'm, I'm just like getting, getting back into it. And I like that. So. And thank you, Elizabeth, for your comment about the book. Uh, that is uh, Cold Wax Medium, uh, Techniques, Concepts, and Conversations that I wrote with Jerry McLaughlin in 2017. She says, it's a treasure. I return to it repeatedly. It speaks to me differently after each painting because my experience shifts a little bit differently. That's really good to hear. I mean, that it continues to unfold. That is, uh, you know... It, the book has been important uh, in, in my life to Cold Wax Academy and to Jerry and to so many people who have commented about it. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, it's just one of those projects that just started and didn't see where it was going. You know, it was a big, it was a big project, but you never know where, how is so, it going to go? What's going to happen? So right now, um, as, as part of the move and as part of kind of downsizing and uh, 
leaving Wisconsin, uh, moving to, to New Mexico, you're really going through this process of, of simplifying your life. And this seems to be something that a lot of people are doing post-COVID. Um, houses, houses are getting snatched up like crazy. A lot of people are moving, moving across the country, starting new lives, going through this process. So do you have any tips for people that are looking at simplifying their life, simplifying their art practice? Am I qualified? I feel like my life is so complicated. <laughs> well, I could I could say that I mean, as we discussed earlier, the the moving, the downsizing, it does get down to some very simple ideas. Uh do you you know, do you think you're going to use this thing in the next couple of years? Can you replace this thing if you just get rid of it now and you decide you don't want it? Uh, what to what extent do you want to keep archives? And that's my big issue right now. You know, do I want a record of my work going back pretty far? That's what I'm doing. I'm keeping a few things from different eras. Um, so, yeah, it, it feels overwhelming. But my goal is is to simplify. But the thing about the simplifying life, which has been very uh, interesting, is that. Uh, Don and I spent the COVID year in New Mexico in our house, which we had had mostly as a winter home before. So there we are. We don't have that much stuff there. We don't have that much furniture. Um, you know, all our clothes fit in like a tiny little space. We don't have much kitchen stuff, but it's fine. And I think, I think that was the revelation as far as simplicity that if I didn't have that perspective right now, we're fine back there. We can add some things and we can replace some things, upgrade some furniture, whatever. But that simplicity of that life is absolutely doable. And if I didn't have that perspective, I think it would be even harder right now. You start to view your possessions as like a burden, you know, something. You do in a way. It's so. It just like weighs you down, you know. Yeah. It's a very and, strange uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. When I when I'm going through this process. I'm, I'm oftentimes looking at something and thinking, what is it going to cost to replace it, first of all, if I do decide that I need it? And what is the cost of keeping it and moving it? You know, because if I have a huge amount of stuff to move across the country, it costs money to move it versus just rebuying things that are useful to me mm -hmm. if, if I need to. Um, and, and, and when I am buying things now, I, I have this this thought of like, I'm going to have to move this across the country. <laughs> yes, I know. And, and I think that that's a good attitude to have just in general. You know, every time you're, you're taking something into your life, you know, accumulating a possession to, to have this thought of, okay, I, it, is this something that I really want in my life? Is it like, cause it's a, you, these things pile up around us and then what yeah. do we do with them? I think, so, I think when you, when you talk about that in terms of studios, it gets more complicated because I think a lot of artists, um, you know, we, we, we love, we love art supplies and art supplies speak to us with potential. So, yeah. Oh, look, look at this color. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with it right now, but I sure do like this color. So I want it. I want it in my palette, you know, and, this thing, whatever it is, all these different things that certain kinds of pencils or, you know, painting surfaces, all this stuff, when you see it, 
and and maybe it's a deal, you know, maybe it's on the clearance rack or something. And you say, wow, I, yeah, that's exciting because I'm getting ideas when I look at it. And I think so many artists have so many supplies. Uh, it's because that's what they represent. Unlike, you know, 16 coffee cups, which I also have and don't know why, um, <laughs> I could have 16 tubes of ultramarine blue. Uh, and maybe I understand why, Maybe that's kind of silly too, but it's just it. Uh, there is something about that the collection of stuff in the studio that is especially challenging. I think well, right, and then when you have that. all these things, you can kind of look at them and get inspired. And there's definitely justifications exactly. for it. Yes, you, you exactly. You it in your own mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because having the object gives you an idea. And so if you didn't have the object, you might not have the idea. There's that direct connection with your materials. So, um, ah, so Ginny's asking oils. What, what a project. What's that? Mickey oh. says that she cataloged her oils. That sounds like quite a project. Do you mean the paintings or the paints? You cataloged your paints? Wow. Okay. <laughs> You're way ahead of me. <laughs> I what what I found in my studio in Wisconsin is all these like half used tubes that I don't want to throw them out and they're so grubby nobody but me can even say what's in them so I filled a whole box I'm taking back all these grubby half used paints which I will use but mm -hmm. it's it is a messy studio it's very messy um so Ginny's asking um oh, I mean, did. you did clarify the paints yeah <laughs> that's what I thought she meant yeah <laughs> for you. Will, will you come help me? <laughs> I'm taking volunteers. Um, so Ginny says, what is your timeline for this transition for moving the whole summer? Um, oh, well, as far as we know, the closing on our place is August, mid-August, August 16th, when a new family will be um, occupying our space. Uh, they came to visit the other day, and uh, apparently my studio is going to be sort of a clubhouse. They're talking about putting a pool table in there, and you know, it's like, okay. Um, I think it was interesting to meet the family who's going to be living there and feel their excitement about it. It it kind of feels like this continuity. Then it's not an anonymous buyer. Um, it's actually a friend of, of Don's, my husband's. And yeah, I mean, it is over. It is so overwhelming. So every day I just try to do something and I just, the clock is ticking, you know. Uh, I, I am confident it will happen, but it's, there's no, there's no really getting away from it. It's just constant. Right. Well, and when you're doing a long distance move like that, if you have to do multiple trips, then it, it becomes far more expensive. You you got to kind of plan ahead and make it all happen in one go because otherwise you're spending money on on travel back and forth on uh, you know another truck or another uh, container that you're packing with all your stuff. Um, so it's it's kind of important to plan it out and get it done in one go. Um, otherwise it just, if you're moving from one house to another in the same town, you can kind of take things a little bit at a time, uh, and it's much easier. Yeah. Um, doing a, a big move is 
more complicated. It's, it is and so you, hard you to organize it. Yeah. It's you're in the middle of chaos, and it's it's really hard to organize it. So um, as I, I probably some of you missed it because we were talking about it before we actually uh, started um, the official broadcast time, but we we are dedicated to keep going with this podcast through all of this. We have a special guest next week. Um, and it's it's harder to find the time to really plan it, you know, and that's one of the really nice things about today. I don't have any notes. You know, we're just talking and you're you're asking questions. So that's really lovely. I like that. Um, and um, Aracelis asks, Aracelis, I'm sorry, what are some of the things you like most about New Mexico? Um, and I do get asked that. And, and it's around here in Wisconsin, people are like, why, why do you want to move there? Uh, well, some of the things I really like, especially about the area where we live, there's an art community. And it's um, there are very serious um, people that I'm getting to know within just a few miles of myself that are, that are professional artists that have been doing this work for many years. Um, there's all sorts of other interesting people. It's a really fascinating community. Um, but um, beyond that, I mean, the landscape is remarkable. So within, if I want to walk um, a mile or so from my house, I can be in this um, kind of remote feeling, at least, canyon area. It's actually kind of close to the road, but I can get myself to a place that feels pretty wild. And there's all kinds of hiking opportunities around there. Where we live, if you drive just about 20 miles up into a higher elevation, um, it's a different world. And it feels kind of alpine or Colorado-like. And in the winter, there's uh, you know cross-country skiing and that kind of thing. Um, I love the culture. I love the – it's very different world um, than the Midwest. And it just – I don't know, and and then there've been uh, there's been such interesting artists there for a long time, um, you know, and and a lot of really interesting history, and then very ancient history, and that rock art and things like that. I could go on and on. I I don't know. It's it's a different world. It's going to be a different life, but we've been there enough to know that it really suits. It's it's really a good place for us. So. Um, uh, so Allison says, in that chaos, or in spite of it, are you thinking of art ideas to get to later? <laughs> I wish I were. I can't tell you how different my state of mind is day to day. It's so different than my normal life. You know, it's just all I think about when I get up is I'm going to clean out that closet. I'm going to do this or that. I will say being in the studio, pulling out older work has you know, made me think about a few things that maybe things I didn't follow up on or I started with. I really um, look forward to getting back into printmaking, which I haven't done for a while, but I do want to take my press to New Mexico. And um, yeah, I, I just hope there are things percolating. I'm not too worried about it, but it's an odd thing for me to not be working for any period of time. I'm impressed that you have that level of focus. It's it's been really difficult for me because I, in spite of doing my absolute level best to not take on new projects and not, you know, focus on things other than moving, it's like a constant, you know. Yeah. I, I, 
I mean, I took on this video project um, for Jim, and that's not exactly something that I could put off until later. You know, that was something that that had to be done, you know. And uh, but I'm also I'm kind of feeling slightly panicked about uh, having enough money. Um, I'm trying to sell my company, but I, I don't feel like I can count on that until that money's in my pocket. So I'm I'm out there driving Uber. You know, I, I was driving Uber earlier today and then I took a break to come do a podcast, <laughs> you know. So it's it's very difficult for me to to prioritize, you know, um, and it's yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of time to get all this done. So. Um, so, it's yeah, a very, it's a strange time. I, I yeah. realize we're all just we're all just in transition. So there's four of us in the house. We're all in transition. And it's sometimes it's hard to even think about how would you cook a meal? You know, it's like I can't even think of what kind of food we have or whatever. It's just anyway, uh, we'll get through it and it'll be yeah. fine. And this is just a very weird time, uh, et cetera. What are, what are you looking forward <laughs> So what are you looking forward to in the future? Well, first of all, just getting past this summer and um, settling into New Mexico um, and um, just being able to regain my focus on my work and getting, I think, just relaxing into the area, um, exploring. Um, and, you know, there, there have been things that I want to do, but I just haven't taken the time because up till now we were, we were a little more temporary and then there was COVID. It's like, it's such a treat to think just to live there and to be able to, to explore the state, to explore the area, get to know people. Um, it's, and, and I do want to, I'm looking forward to resuming travel and that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. And also being a grandmother. I was going to let you bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ross is having a baby. Ross and Kara having a baby in December. And we just found that out. So um, that is a very happy upcoming thing. <laughs> It'd be a very wonderful event. So, yeah. Uh, does anyone have any final questions before we end the stream? Yeah, we're just about at the time when we normally say uh, that let, let's wrap it up. It went fast. So um, yeah. I think it's wonderful to be able to have the comments and the input. It really helps move things along. Um, yeah, anybody else have any anything else? And otherwise, we'll say goodbye here. Um, All right. Well, Thank you, Jenny. Jenny says congratulations. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us. And and this is this has been a little experimental, but I think it was it was fun. We enjoyed it. So all right. All right. Well, and until next that time. Just, yeah. <laughs> that just about wraps up this episode of the Messy Studio. For more from the Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and Cold Wax Academy at www.coldwaxacademy.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.